Matthew chapter 7. I feel this sermon. I feel every sermon that I preach. I certainly feel this one. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. When I'm up here, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself, what God's kind of been showing me. And so this one, this one already moved me. I've been, I've been crying. I've been feeling Jesus. And so I hope that it translates. And um, I'm, I'm very excited for what God's doing in our community and for what God's doing in your life. And whether this is your first time at church or not, Jesus loves you. And he's got such a plan for your life. And here's the one thing I know about the word of God. It's the only thing that reads me when I read it. Uh, God knows every detail of our lives. He knows the thoughts we think, the good and the bad. So hope that doesn't scare you, but maybe it should. <laughs> but he still loves you in spite of it all. He knows the plans we have, and he knows the plans he has for us. And there's just no better place to be in the universe than right with God just right where he has you. And so that's what I'm praying for you today. And um, there's a series that will probably start in a few weeks. But for now, let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, therefore, and this is Jesus, and he's telling a parable. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is a parable that Jesus is sharing with some followers of his. Um, so much to be said. Let me read one more place. If you'll turn with me now to Psalms 27, 14. Psalms 27, 14. This is King David in scripture, and he wrote this psalm. And it says this, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. I'd like to title this talk this morning, and all that I do, stay with God. And all that you do, stay with God. Stay with God. God, I pray that you would speak to us now, speak through me as you've spoken to me. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's truth and it's life and it gives us life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to say in all that we do, that we stay with you. Help us to do that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, it's, if you've ever been in church for a bit, you've most likely heard the parable that Jesus spoke about the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. And essentially, um, it's kind of cut and dry. You kind of understand. You build your life on God, you'll, you'll, you'll weather this, the storms of life. And if you don't build your life on God, and if you kind of build it on whatever, your own abilities, your own strengths, whatever, then when the storms come, you'll be knocked over. And that's kind of cut and dry. There's so much, though, to be said and the text. There's so much that we can learn from it. There's so much that not just we can learn that applies to our lives. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm captivated what Jesus says. He says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, hear and do. Hear I have a friend in from London. He's like, you guys say your R so rough. We do. Here, if I was from London, I'd like, here. <laughs> there is no R's. Here and do. It's not one or the other. Because sometimes in life, we can hear things 
and we can know what to do, but we don't do it. Am I right or am I right? And then sometimes in life, we can just do, just like get her done, just get her done mentality without ever stopping to listen and really hear what we should do. But Jesus is making it very, very important from the get-go of this parable. Whoever hears and does what I say, they would be like the person who built their house on a rock. Um, recently, Jen and I moved into, a few months ago, we moved into a new house with our family. And it's wonderful, and it's a blessing, and I probably shared about it from the pulpit, and so I don't have time to get into it, but it's a super, super awesome home that God has blessed us with. It's a miracle story, and if you come to the men's Bible study, every time the guys show up, I always tell the story. I'm not going to tell it this morning. I'm so grateful to God. But however, it's eight acres of land, eight acres of land in Redmond. I didn't even know that existed, and it is certainly the largest piece of property I have ever lived on in my entire life. And... When we moved in, it was winter, and so everything was, like, beautifully barren. You know what I'm saying? Like, what I'm saying is, like, there was no weeds. There was nothing. It was just beautifully barren. It was just, there was, it, was just, it was just clean. And then spring and summer hit, and I'm talking foliage chaos. Like, I have net, we, I'm, I'm, Lord, if I lie. And I, weeds six feet tall, as tall as me, just everywhere. And eight acres. Eight acres of weeds just gone wild. My wife started to say, and she did this for about two weeks, she'd just be randomly, she'd just like kind of speak it into the air. She'd be like, man, it's getting crazy out there in that yard. She'd just say it. I heard her. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, we'd just be, I mean, it just, she kept doing it. She kept doing it. She's like, wow, I've never, I've never seen so many weeds in my entire life. Man, if, if we don't get control of that, like this is going to be out of control forever. I'm like, I hear you, but I'm not doing anything. So finally, after two weeks, I mean, I heard her. I heard her. And guys, pro tip. Pro tip, after 26 years of marriage, okay, if your wife just speaks things into the air, not directly at you, but just like to, to the universe, she's talking to you, okay? Just let me save you so much trouble. She's talking right to you. You're like, what did she, she didn't address me. She didn't say my name. She didn't look me in the eyes. Yeah, yeah, but she's talking to you, okay? So Jim's like, wow, oh man, it's crazy, those weeds. And so finally, you know, she's like, are you going to do something about our yard? And then she said this to me. And I was, I was waiting for it. I'm like, I'm sorry, did you say yard? Uh, if we had a yard, then yes, I would do something about our yard. But what you are referring to are the woods. <laughs> yeah. If we have a yard, I would certainly take care of a yard. Because a yard, I can take, you know, it's like 10 by 10, 20 by 20, nice little picket fence. I can take a little trimmer. I can edge the yard. I can pull a weed or two. I can trim a bush. Well, you are referring to is eight acres of woods. It's a mini forest, okay? So no, I'm not going to do anything about the forest that we now live in. And so you got to take the good with the bad. I can't handle the forest, but here's because you don't, you don't mow the forest. You don't weed the forest. You can go on nature walks in the forest. You can play with the wildlife in the forest. You can go hunting in the forest if you want. And I said, no, no, so I'm, I'm not going to do anything because that's not a yard. If you show me a yard, then I will take care of the yard. But what we have are woods. Well, that didn't go very well. And so, I don't know, it was three days later. Call it the Holy Spirit or just call it, you know, the sly um, ability of my wife, my beautiful wife, to get me to do what she wants me to do. I'm finally like, all right, whatever. And she didn't even say anything, but it was just like guilt, you know. And so I go to Home Depot and I buy, I mean, I buy a man's weed whacker. It's, you know, it's just, you know, the kind you pour the gas in. And, and I just, I get out there into the woods, which we are, are so blessed to have. Thank God for the woods. And I just start killing stuff. And I mean, I just start 
I, start, I just start crushing stuff. Because it had been long enough for me to hear what she was saying and not do something. So now I'm like, oh, now I'm going to do. I'm going to get done. Anything that was over the, the height of my ankle died that day. Four hours. I had glasses on. And I just, just, I mean, just crushing and just killing everything. Weeds, toppling. I mean, I made the biggest mess. And when I got done after four hours, it felt good. And Jen came home and she was thrilled. thrilled. She's like, oh, my goodness, you hurt me. I'm like, I did. I hurt you. And that night, she wanted to go and like, she's like, let's go walk. Let's go walk our yard. <laughs> let's go walk our yard. And, you know, it's, you know, it's so beautiful and everything's freshly cut. I'm like, so we're, we got our like decaf coffee. We're walking. And she gets super excited. She's like, oh, I want to show you something. I discovered the other day my favorite flower bush is in our property. And I'm like, all right, babe, show me. She's like, she goes running ahead. I'm like, yeah, it's all good, you know. And then I hear this, this scream. And she goes, where is it? I'm like, like my mind starts to race for a second. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, where's my rose bush? She's like, it was, it was a, is it uh, peonies? Is that a thing? Yeah, peonies. She's like, there was a peony bush right here. I'm like, right, right there? That's no, certainly not right. It's 1116. I just saw that. Hey, 116. Just cross yourself. It's not a big deal. All right, moving on. And so she's like, where's my peony bush? And I'm like, I, what do you, was, it, was it right there? I, mean, there was, I, didn't, I didn't see a peony. I don't even know what peonies are. I'm like, I didn't see a peony bush. And she starts like, oh my goodness, I was, I was going to grow these flowers. And I was going to take them to the shop. We own a flower shop. And she's like, and they're going to get like $500 to like $1,500. And I'm like, you mean, you mean um, like where, the, where that big weed was? <laughs> my wife, she's like, I told you. I said, be careful not to cut down my flower bushes. I was like, woman, I wasn't listening. I was just doing like you, you were talking to the air, and I was, you know, and I wasn't doing anything. And so then I just started to do, and I just got out there and I just cut down everything. I did what needed to be done. I'm not a gardener, and I literally, I would have this. So what was a beautiful moment turned into a fight. It's all right, we made it through. I'm like, I'm not a gardener. If you want a gardener, you hire a professor. I don't know what a peony bush is. Everything to me is a weed. Everything is a weed. And so I realized, you know, okay. So there's times where we we do without listening, which I'm guilty of. And there's times where we listen and don't do. Jesus, in this parable, he makes it very clear. He says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, hear and do. Now, I don't want to overstate this, but I think on this, on this Sunday morning, July 17th, this could absolutely revolutionize our lives. This simple thought from Scripture. Hear my words and do them. Oh, man. I was having a conversation with my 17-year-old daughter, who I love very much, Serenity. And we were talking about just how people complicate things in life. And she was kind of referencing some friends that have made some rough decisions. And, and she was like, man, it's so simple, Dad. I'm like, isn't it, though? You know, it's so great to hear your, your, your child, who's now grown, like re, re, repeat back to you what you've told them their whole life. She's like, it's so simple. They would just do that, like, it would, they wouldn't be in this, this situation. I'm like, right? Right? Say it again. You know, like, hear, hear the words of God and, and do them. And notice that Jesus puts the emphasis, whoever hears these words of mine. And that first, whoever hears these words of mine. Not just any words. The words of God. Not just any words. But okay, we live in a society where there are so many words. People talk. People talk a lot. 
And I'm not even talking about crazy people and weird people and people that I'd be like, I don't want to hear what they have to say because everyone has an opinion. And you know what opinions are. Opinions are like armpits. Everyone has more than one and they do not smell good. <laughs> they stink. All right. So there's so many of those, but I'm talking even well-meaning, good-intentioned people talk. And Jesus is making it very clear. He's like, whoever hears these words of mine. Do you know, sometimes there'll be people in our lives, and this has been true for me, that mean well, their intentions are good, and they're telling me what I should do. They're telling me what I need to do. They're telling me where I need to be. They're telling me this, this, and that. And here's my question. What is God? What is God saying to you? You're like, well, I I don't know. He's pretty clear. I mean, when God wants to speak to us, he's pretty clear. What is God saying to you? Jesus said, whoever does these words of mine, who hears my words, and does what I say would be like the person who built their house on a rock. God isn't always saying to you what he is saying to others. Did you know that? Now, the Bible doesn't change. I'm not, God's word, his scripture, that's infallible. So it's not like, well, what that says to you, that doesn't say that to me. No, no, what, it says what it says. That's God's word. But I'm talking about the promptings. The directings, the leadings, the guidance of God. He's not always saying to you what he's saying to others. In fact, when I try and take what God is prompting me to do, and and I want you to do that, that is the very definition of religion. Well, this is what God said for me, so that also must be true for you. I'm not talking about scripture. I'm not talking about scripture, but like in my life, I shouldn't do this. And it's a liberty maybe that I have or don't have, but now that's what you have to do. And this is how we have to worship. And this is how we have to, and now that's because God told me to do that. And God spoke to me and he led me to go this way. So you should too. That's religion. God isn't always saying to other people what he's saying to you. My question is, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Remember Peter in the boat in Matthew chapter 14? Peter is one of Jesus' disciples, and Jesus had sent Peter and probably all the disciples. He put, said, get in a boat, go to the other side. And on the way, a storm arises on the sea. They're very scared. And then Jesus comes to them, coming to save them, coming to rescue them. But they don't, they don't recognize Jesus in the storm because oftentimes when you're in a storm, you can't see God right in front of you. Don't, that's another sermon. We'll just all let that just set for a second. So anyways... They they cry out in fear, and then Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus speaks to Peter in the middle of the storm, and he says, come, right? And so Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on water. This is is a phenomenal passage in Scripture. Um, I'm captivated by this thought, though. The other disciples, the other followers of Jesus, they didn't go. They didn't walk on water. They're in the same situation. Jesus was right there on the water with them. But they stayed in the boat. Those guys stayed in the boat. I, I often wonder, was Jesus even talking to them in that storm? Was Jesus even talking to them? It was clear what he was saying to Peter. Peter, come. And you're like, well, no, the other disciples, they're bad. Were they bad? Because Jesus loved them. In fact, one of them, Matthew, we're reading his words right now this morning. He wrote a book in the Bible, Right? I mean, were they bad men or was Jesus saying something to Peter that he wasn't necessarily saying to them? And you have to imagine that they were saying things too. Now, 
and I'm going to take some liberties in Scripture, but let's just use our minds for a second. They're in the middle of a storm, the professional fishermen. No doubt, the Bible says they were feared, and at one point they cried out in fear. So they're talking to each other. Don't you think at some point, Matthew, John, Luke, Luke probably wasn't there. You know, this is different ones, James, John, all the guys that were there in the boat, that they're all talking, that they're having a conversation, and they're deciding what they're going to do. And at one point when Peter's like, I think I'm going to get out and walk on water, they're like, you're crazy, man. Like, what are you doing? You don't go walk on water. They're in the boat. If they had agreed with them, they would have joined them, but they didn't. Now imagine, if you will, if Peter had listened to them instead of listening to God. Imagine. I mean, I don't know what they said, but I know what they did. And actions speak louder than the words. They did not get out of the boat. Not a single one of them. Only Peter did. Imagine if Peter had been like, I can't because they won't. This is... I've played this out in my life. Have you ever played out that scenario? I can't because they won't. God's telling me to do something, but you, you want to you go with me? No, no, no. It's like the ladies, at the, you know, when you're at dinner, and my wife does this, you know, and she has to go to the restroom. She can't go by herself. The ladies got to go together. I don't understand that. Like if I get up and a dude's like, you want me to go with you? I'm like, no, man. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, but for women, it's like, you want to go with me? I don't have to go. Please? Okay. <laughs> they go together, right? <laughs> and so a lot of times in life, I can't because they won't. Hey, I feel like God's maybe telling me, like, but you're, you're okay. I feel like I should stay, but you're leaving. So uh, I can't because they won't. Yes, you can. Listen to God. Hear the words of God and do what he tells you to do. Don't worry about other people. Do you realize that Jesus still took care of the other disciples in the boat? He still took care of them. You're like, oh, yeah, they got theirs. No, no, he wasn't mad at them. Sometimes what God is saying to you is not what God is saying, is not what God is saying to other people. But we, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that because in our lives, and I'm guilty of this, the world revolves around us. Everything revolves around us. Everything you're thinking, everything you're doing. When I'm at the gym, everyone's looking at me. They're not, but I think they are. Everything, like every little thing I do. Like, you know, the people who dance in the mirror, they think we're all watching them. <laughs> we're not. But your world revolves around you because we're human. It's just, it's a human condition. Like the whole world, I'm thinking, you're thinking about me and I said that and they were probably so upset. They didn't even know you said that. They didn't even know you were in the room. But you think they think about you all the time. They don't. The only people who think about us all the time is us. <laughs> and so here they are and Jesus says, Peter, come out on water. Do you know that Jesus still took care of the men that were in the boat? The people still in the boat. Jesus cared for them. He had a plan for them. He watched over them. But for Peter, it was, it was God's will for him to get out, step out, and walk on water. Don't worry about the people still in the boat. You follow God. That could have been the title of the sermon. Don't worry about the people still in the boat. You follow God. What's the boat? It could be whatever you want it to be. And in life, it takes on a bunch of different, bunch of different vehicles and scenarios. But don't worry about whether they're doing it or they're not doing it. You, listen to Jesus. He said, hear these words of mine and do what I tell you to do. Um, side note, do it when he tells you to do it. This is just for me. I don't know if you can find this in scripture, but this is just for me. Do it when he tells you to do it. Um, there is a difference between divine delay and doubtful delay. Divine delay, that's from God. That's when God divinely delays something. Like, I'm just waiting and waiting. It's divine delay. 
Thank God for it every single day. You're not ready for it. It's not ready for you. It's not the right season. God knows best. His plan is way better than your plan every day of the week. So sometimes divine delay, you just have to realize it. But then there's doubtful delay. And doubtful delay, that's not from God. That's from us. That's me being like, I don't know. No one will go to the bathroom with me. If they would, I would. But they won't, so I can't. I don't know. I mean, what, what could happen? It's doubtful delay. When God talks, do what he tells you to do. Easier said than done. It is. I know. I mean, that's, that's where faith actually takes its place. That's where it's the courage to be like, all right, what? What did you say right now? You do it right now? Okay, go back to Peter in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29. Can you guys put that over here? 14, 29. There's this moment when Jesus had spoken to Peter. Remember? Whoever hears these words of mine does them. So Jesus had spoken, and Peter had yet to respond. And the Bible says, then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water. Okay, the word then there is so pivotal in Scripture. Let me give you context. In this little passage right here, Matthew chapter 14, it has used the word three times, the word immediately. It says immediately Jesus told him to go to the other side. Then at one point it says immediately Jesus said, do not fear. Do not fear. And then it says when Peter sank towards the end of this passage, it says immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. Immediately. Instantly. But for whatever reason, in verse 29, when it comes to the the space between the time when Jesus spoke to Peter and the time when Peter actually did what God had told him to do, the Bible uses the word then. (laughs) I don't know how long it is, but it's not immediately. Was it seconds? Was it minutes as Peter processed, thought about, tried to convince himself, tried to not convince himself, listened to Matthew over there like, don't do it, it's crazy, it's not even Jesus, it's a ghost. You know, who knows, good, well-meaning people looking out for you. How long did it take? How long did Peter hang in verse 29? Some of us, some of us have, have been there for days or weeks or years. Jesus said at the beginning of this parable, whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who builds his house on a rock. Okay, I want to look at these two men for just a second. Two men, both build houses, both go through storms, one lasts. Both build houses, so far the same. Both go through storms, okay? But only one lasted. I want to compare, because Jesus in Scripture begs us to compare these two men as it compares them for us. Let's look at the houses they built. Did you know that you can find success without following God? Did you know that? Contrary to popular belief and what might, might make for good preaching on a Sunday morning, you can actually find success without following God. You're like, prove it, Pastor. Samson in the Bible. Samson completely denied God for Delilah, and yet he was super successful, very buff. The original bodybuilder of Scripture. <laughs> Dude was awesome. Saul, King Saul, first king of Israel. For a moment he followed God, and then he stopped following God. And the Bible has this very, very scary verse that haunts me. It said the Holy Spirit had left him, and he didn't even know it. <laughs> he was still leading the, he was still king but God was no longer with him. You can, you can find success without following God. 
Just look today in society. There are men and women who by all terms of definition could be godless, however you want to define that, and yet they are very, according to what we can see, very successful. Oh, you can find success without finding, you can build a house on the beach, the man who built his house on the sand, that's beachfront property right there. You can find success without following God, but there, there'll be no joy in it. You won't have any, you won't have any real peace in it. Because here's the thing. If you open the door, if you make your way, if you use all your ingenuity, which God gave you, if you use the gifts and talents, which God bestowed upon you, thank you, God. If you do it, then it's up to you to keep it going. Did you know that? Some of you know it firsthand. If I open a door in all my strength and all my abilities, because you can open doors in your strength, then you, you better not get tired. <laughs> don't miss, don't slip up now. Don't you, don't you miss a day. You're 365 days a year, 24-7. Don't you miss a day, because if you do, that door will slam shut. You are responsible. If you open it, you got to hold it open. But when God opens the door, all you have to do is walk through it. It's not on you anymore. This is when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burn is light. If God opens the door, whoever builds his house on the rock, if God's like, this is a, here's the door. Now I can walk through with my, my hands like this. And I can kind of strut in there. And I don't have to worry about that door. I don't have to think in the back. God, if God opens the door, God holds the door open. I don't have to think about it ever again. That is the beauty of building your house on the rock. Yeah, you can have success without following God, but that's not the kind of success that the Bible speaks of. Now, I appreciate closed doors in life. I do. And I've said that a bunch from this pulpit, and I'll continue to say it in my 40s. I did it in my 30s. My 30s, I prayed against closed doors. I thought it was the devil. And then I got wise in my 40s, and I realized that was God saving me from the devil. <laughs> so many of my prayers, God's like, trust me, you have no idea what you're praying. You're welcome. You know, Shuts the door. And now, when God closes doors, I literally celebrate. Celebrate. My wife and I, when God opens doors, we'll go out to dinner and celebrate like opportunities and things taking place. And we do the same thing when he shuts something. It's something we were praying for, believing for, and all of a sudden the door just slams shut. We're like, what? We're like, let's go celebrate. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what God just saved us from, but I'm so grateful. So I appreciate closed doors. But open doors? Open doors. Now you find what you're made of through the open door. Oh, open doors will define your life. Because just because the door is open doesn't mean you walk through it. Jesus opened that door that day on the water with Peter. But make no mistake, you're like, come on, man. Jesus was right there. He told him to do it. Like he had divine confirmation. It's right there, everything. But Peter had to walk through that door. You find what you're made of through the open door. I'm grateful for the closed doors, but it's the open doors that scare me because that's where all the faith comes in. I would propose this. Peter had to know, had to know that he could walk on water so that he could do all the things that God had left for him to do. That's my thought. Peter had to know it. All the things that were down the road for Peter, all the plans that God had for him, God's like, I need, to, I need you to settle this right now. You can trust me and you can walk. You can do the impossible. He needed to know. God didn't need to know it. Jesus didn't need to know it. No, it was for Peter. Peter had to know. No, 
Yeah, I can trust God. I can step out into nothing. And he levitates. He levitates me. He holds me right there. Peter needed to know that. He needed to walk through that open door. Sometimes I believe there's open doors that have been in front of us for a long time, and we forget they're open because we got so scared to go through them. And we're looking for, like, God, what do you want me to do? And it's like that door has been open to you for quite some time. And my plan has not changed. Walk through the open door. It's where you find out what you're made of. Both men build houses. Both of them did. Now, here's the second part of this as we compare these two men in Scripture. They both went through storms. The Bible says both. Even the man who heard what Jesus said and did what Jesus said. Okay, you're like, hold on, you're messing with my theology. What did you just say to me? He heard and did and still went through storms? That's what the Bible says. Oh, did you think that following God got you a pass from the storms of life? Oh, oh, that's why you're following God? Someone told you from a pulpit somewhere that if you put your faith in Jesus, it's just going to be sunshine and roses. That's what they told you because that is not true. And all the Christians said, amen. Oh, he's not a genie in a bottle. This isn't like rub the bottle and make your three wishes. He doesn't make all your problems go away. No, no, the Bible says that Jesus will go through the storm with you. He'll get you through the storm. He'll walk with you through the valley. He will be the strength when you are weak. He's going to help you. He's the, he's the way maker in impossible situations, but he is not a genie in a bottle. That is not this faith. That is not the Christian faith. Jesus is not like, how can I just make life so, so easy for you? Going through a storm is not a sign that you're not following God. In fact, when we follow God, oftentimes he leads us right into the storm. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Are you convincing me not to follow God? <laughs> it's a fact. Sometimes when we see people and they're going through storms, we're like, wow, man, crazy. You must be running from God like Jonah, huh? Just doing your own thing. Or you're following God and he's like, here we go, right into the storm. Let's go back to Peter, Matthew chapter 14. Jesus told them, get in the boat, go to the other side. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He so knew what was going to happen. He's like, here you go. Go right through there. They're like, it's going to be awesome. We'll see you over there. We're going to have like a barbecue on the other side of the lake. Lake day. He's like, yeah, yeah, lake day. Have fun, guys. He knew what they were going into. He sent them. Following God, sometimes, in fact, he's just like, I'm going to lead you right into the storm. Because God's not afraid of a storm. And in many cases, it is the storm where we find God. Jesus knew where they were. They just didn't know where God was. I mean, the, the Peter was like, it's a ghost. He's, I don't even know who he is. It's so crazy how when life starts to just get chaotic, we just we forget everything we know in our heart, in our minds, everything we've learned. Sometimes God uses the storm so that you could see him better. Oh, no, God will lead you. Storms of life and then self-made storms. Because there's, there's two different types of storms. Now, there are storms of life which you and I have no control over. And God doesn't put those on us. Those just happen. Just the clouds come, the winds blow, and storms of life will happen. And then, and then there are self-generated storms. We are hurricane makers, you and I. We just, we make decisions. We say things in the heat of the moment. We do things, or we hear and don't do, or we do without listening, right? We do, we, and all of a sudden, we are in a storm. And it's man-made. 
Can I just remind you that God and Jesus, he does not differentiate between storms. He's with you in the storm. Well, I made the storm. He didn't differentiate. (laughs) Thank God, by the way, because I feel like I've been in way more man-made storms than I have been in natural storms in life. God doesn't differentiate. I mean, I know it for a fact because my favorite verse in Scripture is, though, even though I make my bed in hell, you are with me there and you hold me. You did it. You put yourself there. God's like, I'm there. Be right with you in the storm. Both of them go through storms. But here's the thing. This is one of my favorite principles in all of Scripture. It is the sustaining grace of God. Hopefully you've experienced the saving grace of God. And that's that moment. And all of us in our hearts, and maybe some of you will do that here this morning. Every Sunday in our community, someone does. Where you're like, Jesus, I need you to save my soul. And that is the saving grace of God. And he comes and he forgives because only he can. And he saves our souls. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And then there is the sustaining grace of God. Which tells me this. If I can just kind of, I don't want to dumb it down. But if I could just simplify for a second. Here's the sustaining grace of God. Not only does he bless us, right, and take, but he protects and preserves. That's the sustaining grace of God. It's one thing to get things in life. You can build a house. You can find success without following God. But when you built your house on the rock, he protects and preserves. Have you ever gotten so many things and then been so worried about all the things that you have and you lose all your peace and all your joy and you can't enjoy those things because you're constantly worried that you're going to lose those things or something's going to happen to those things? You ever have that? Because that's not the sustaining grace of God. But when you've built your house on the rock, when your life is founded on God and his word, then not only does he bless us and provide for us, but he protects and preserves that which he blesses us with. Someone once asked me, do you ever, my favorite car in the whole world, I'll never have one. I actually won't. I don't mind saying that publicly. It's, it's the Phantom Rolls Royce. The reason I won't have it because it's 300 something thousand dollars. And even if I had $300,000 and I spend it on a car, my wife's going to slap me silly, as she should. Now, if you own one, I'd love a ride. But regardless, regardless. But I remember saying to someone, like, you know, what if someone gifted it to you? I was like, I couldn't take it. You want to know why? Because every time I parked in a parking lot, every time I drove behind a truck, you know, with the rocks flying. I mean, I would spend so much time worrying, worrying about my Phantom Rolls Royce. <laughs> you know, like, I would be like, did, did someone scratch it? Did somebody, what happened to it? You know, that scratch is worth $50,000. You know, like, I'm like, it would be no peace. When God gives us something, when God blesses our lives, when we build our lives on the rock, which is Jesus, not only does he bless and provide, he protects And preserves. (sighs) Have you ever experienced that? I've had seasons in my life where I didn't have enough money to live. Jen and I have gone through this many times. Didn't have enough money to live, but trusted God. built Built our house on the rock of God. And I didn't make more money, but somehow the food we had and the gas in the tank went further, lasted longer, and just kind of stretched out. I mean, I'm not making that up. Just, I'm like, I don't know. We, we still got food. It's still good. Did you have to fill up the tank? No, it's still at a quarter of a tank. How long has it been that way? A week? I don't know. Like, it just lasts. He protects and preserves. That is the sustaining grace of God. It doesn't just save us, but he'll keep us. He'll hold us in the midst of the storm. Both went through storms. One of them 
the one who built their house on the rock, was sustained through the storm. Look at the storm for a second. It says, rain descended, floods came, and the wind blew. Rain is equivalent to the normal problems in life, the common problems. It doesn't make them easy. I still don't want them, but they come. It rains all the time in Seattle. We're not, we're not taken back when it starts to rain. Now, is it a bummer that we're in the middle of summer and it's kind of wanting to rain out there? Yeah, that's disappointing, but are we shocked? No, we are not shocked because it's normal. This is like arguments with people you love. This is the struggle. This is the grind. This is disappointment. This is, this is just normal problems that happen in life. This is someone rejected me. There's pain. I mean, it's, it stinks. It's a storm. It's an aspect of the storm, but it's, it's common. It's normal. It's in Jesus, when we build our house on the rock, it's going to help you endure. You get through those. We don't, it's not the absence of those. A lot of times, remember, back to genie, Jesus isn't a genie in a bottle. He's not eliminating all of your storms and problems. He's just helping you. He's got helping you through it. And then there's the floods. The Bible's specific. The rain and then the floods. And this happens to both men. Floods are the unexpected problems in life. These are the tragedies. They're not as common. And they come out of nowhere. You didn't expect a flood. No, no, you didn't see. We live in Seattle. Flash floods are pretty normal around here. And you, you don't expect it. You just be walking all of a sudden. What is? Here comes a flood, right? And a flood has the capacity to sweep you away. It does. Unless you've built your life on the rock. And so floods are the tragedies of life. It's the divorce papers. It's the abuse. It's the death of a loved one. It's the loss of a career. This is the floods, storms of life. And then there's the wind. The wind. Wind is that unseen pressure that seems that, that force that comes from all sides. You know what I'm talking about? You can't really put your finger on it. It's not as clear as like the marriage is struggling. My son lied to me. I'm dealing, it's, no, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know what it is, but I feel it. I can't see it with my eyes, but I, I feel it in my soul. Uh, the greatest example of wind is fear. Fear. We spend so much virtue on things that haven't happened, but we're afraid they might. I can't see it, but I'm making decisions based on it. Fear. Depression is like wind. It's a storm. Addiction. Addiction. I don't know what keeps making me do it. I don't know what keeps making me do it. Like I've done everything I can. But it's just, it's, it's one of the storms of life. Confusion. Angst. Not just anger. Because sometimes you get angry. I mean, I drive down the road, I get angry. I got angry this morning. God forgive me. But there's angst where it's just this perpetual, just, just it's wind. You know what else can be wind? Fame, fortune, pride of life. Did you know that? It's, it's a storm. And we thought it was a blessing. We thought it was a rainbow. We thought it was a double rainbow, in fact. But, in, but it turns out that it's a storm. It's the wind blowing. And you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. All of a sudden, you're in places you would never have been in. And you're doing things you said you would never do. And you're compromising in areas that you thought you would never compromise in. You're like, what's happening? Oh, that's the wind. And it's blowing. Bible says that both men went through the rain, the floods, and the storm, and the winds. 
But when our foundation is on God, the storms might shake us. They will certainly come for us. But we won't fall. Which leads me, and I close with this, to the last verse, verse 27. It says this. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it fell. It's the last sentence that caught my attention in Scripture. And great was its fall. There's a difference between falling and then the great fall. And in fact, it's not just metaphorical. These two words right here that you see right here in this verse, they're two different Greek words. It's not just a derivative or like past tense, future tense. No, it's a completely different word. And the first word right there says when the winds blew and the rain came and it it fell. That word there means a lowering, a decline, a coming down, decrease. It's It's a lowering. It fell. It lowered. There was a decline. There was a decrease. There was a pulling, coming down. And then it goes on to clarify. And these are the words of Jesus. He says, and great was its fall. And that word fall right there in the original language literally means downfall, ruin. It's a, it's a complete crashing down, undoing. There is a difference between falling and then this man who built his house on the sand and didn't listen to what God said and didn't do what Jesus said. And the Bible said when the storms came, when everything was, when there weren't storms, he was fine. In fact, I would argue he had a better house than his, his, his contemporary because his house was on the sand, which is beachfront property. And anytime you're talking about beachfront property, I feel like you're winning, right? But when the storms came, in normal life, he was winning. But when the storms came, because he, wasn't, he hadn't built his life on the rock, it says that he fell and he just didn't fall. It was a great fall. Everyone falls. Everyone falls. Um, that's the human condition, by the way. And I would argue to say that his forgiveness is right where you fell. His redemption is right where you fell. That's a fact. We all fall. I'm, scripture isn't talking about this. Because I make mistakes, you make mistakes. I'm prone to sin, you're prone to sin. I'm prone to be wrong, you're prone to be wrong. It's, it's our, it is our human condition. And by the grace of God, we start to live at a level that we couldn't have lived without God. But it will never live at a perfect level. You're never going to always say the right thing, be the right thing, do the right thing, think. You're never always going to do that. You can't. You cannot do that. You're human. So Jesus, just like Peter, when Peter fell and started to sink in Matthew 14, Jesus is right there when we fall. He's like, I'm here. He doesn't, he doesn't teach us a lesson in the fall. He doesn't push us down and say, stay down there for a little bit and learn, you know, and yeah, get a little money. Yeah, yeah, it's good for you. No, 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 no. He, he immediately will reach down and save us. That's what he does. He's a savior. He's a savior. And so he saves us. But the great fall, whoo. The great fall, it's different in the fact that it's not just I messed up. No, it's I decided that I'm not going to go to God anymore. I'm not going to build on him. It's not like I'm trying, I'm, I'm doing my best to follow Jesus, temptation, mistake, bad judgment, sin. No, no, no. It's, it's like, no, no, no. I don't agree with God. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to build my life on my ability to make money. I'm going to build my life 
on my good looks and charisma. I'm going to build my life on the connections that I have and the doors that I've opened. I'm going to build my life on my ability to grind and grind and grind some more. I'm going to build my life on the fact, whatever it is, well, what you're doing, what I'm doing, is I'm setting myself up for a great fall and undoing. Now I'm making it personal, and maybe you've been through it. I remember my dad died, and you've heard my story. Died of cancer, and, and I had a great fall, a downfall. I lost my faith. If it weren't for the love of Jesus and the saving grace of God, I'd have lost my soul. Almost lost my marriage. Should have lost my marriage, in fact. I had a downfall. And here's what it was. My faith wasn't in God and his goodness. It was in my ability to believe. I was a pastor in my 20s. And I was like, dude, I believe. And because I believe, God will answer my prayers and heal my dad. And then my dad died. And so did my faith. Because it wasn't built on the rock, which is the love of Jesus. It was built on the sand, which was my good ability as a follower of Jesus to apply scripture and walk it out. And then everything crashed. How great was the fall? How great was the fall? Because you can think of it right now, and you're thinking of it right now, and you're probably trying not to cry as you think about it, and you don't want anyone to see on your face, but you've had that fall. You could be in that. You could be spinning right now in the fall, the great fall. The fall where we're like, God, I'm going to do it on my own. Thanks. And then the storms come. You're like, Jesus did it to me. No, he didn't do it to you. No, storms happen. There's a, there's a bumper sticker. I think we should replace it with the word storms. Similar, but storms happen. Storms happen. They do. Same meaning, different words. Storms happen. Jesus didn't do it. Storms happen. But when we, when we built our house on what we know, and what we do, it's a great fall. It's different in the original language. and it's, So how do we avoid it? It's simple. I'll just go right back to Matthew chapter 7. Listen to God. Follow him. Build your life on his word. Listen to the words he says. And do that. (laughs) In the words of my daughter Serenity, like it's so simple. (laughs) It is so simple. And yet so difficult, isn't it? Can we read Psalms 27, 14? I know we read it in the beginning. I like to read it in the Passion Translation. And these are the words of David. And he says, here's what I've learned through it all. Now pay attention. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. Can I read it in the message translation? This one got me real good. Now, you know the context of this verse in scripture. It's David. And in scripture, if you read, it, it, it clarifies, even in scripture, before the Psalms begins, it clarifies that David wrote this just before he was anointed king. He wasn't yet king. 
And you know the story of David, and I've, I've shared this before, but it would be some 15 years from the time he was anointed to be king before he would actually ever sit on the throne. And during that 15 years, David would have his life hunted by King Saul. He would have men try and kill him. He would go through, he would live in caves. He would have, he would go through so many storms, all the while with the promise in his heart that he was going to be king, but, and he was anointed king, but he didn't actually, he wasn't actually king. So it's like God said, here's what I'm going to do. And David said, I'm going to build my house on that. But then, but then it didn't happen, and it was just storm after storm after storm. And while David is still going through the struggle, Scripture indicates before he became king, David writes these words. He, he pens these words in Psalm 27. Look at it. He says, I am sure now, that I'll see God's goodness in the earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. (laughs) Before he was king, I get it like if you hit the top, you're like, yo, man, let me tell you how to get there. No, no, no. He's not even there, but he knows in his heart I've seen God's goodness, and I, listen, come on, here on earth they can get rough. And he's in those rough days. And here is his wisdom to us, which lines up with the same wisdom that Jesus gave us. Stay with God. Be courageous. Have a stout heart. Be enduring. But then he, then he repeats himself as if you didn't get it the first time. I will say it again. So if you're taking notes, write it down and live it out. Stay with God. And all of your doing, stay with God. In the, in the worst storm of your life, why would you jump out of, the, out of the lifeboat? Stay with God. Don't abandon ship in the storm. Stay with God. When you are at the pinnacle, when you are standing on the mountaintop of your dreams and your aspirations, my God, don't abandon God there. Stay with God. Because you, you how the higher you go, the further you can fall. Stay with God. And all that you do, stay with God. It's so hard. It isn't so hard. Listen to what he says and do that. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like sometimes like I'm a, a child in Sunday school and the teacher keeps telling me like, Billy, listen to what he said and just do what he told you to do. And I'm like, I know, God, help me. Just stop complicating it all the time. I had some friends over the other night. We were having some steaks. Because Jesus is all about that. And a couple of my friends are so disciplined. I mean, they are so disciplined when it like, comes to health and stuff. And two of them were like, they could have a certain amount of nuts. And they're like, I can have, and they literally picked out, I'm not kidding, I have a whole bowl of nuts and chips and all that stuff, but whatever. And they pick out three nuts. And they ate them like they were eating pizza. It's just, I'm, I am awestruck. I'm like, like, hold on, man. Hold on for a second. Like, you just, you just ate three. I'm like, well, that's the plan. Like, that's the plan I'm on. And it works. But it won't work if you don't do it. So you have to do it. And it just, it works if you do it. I'm like, I know it won't work if you don't do it. Because I don't do it. It doesn't work. And I'm like, these plans don't work. They're like, well, you're not doing it. Well, it doesn't work. Well, if you did it, it would work. It's simple. Listen to his words. And do that. David knew that. And so do we. (laughs) So do we. God, I pray right now 
Would you help us in the storms, on the mountaintops? Help us to stay with you. God, I don't want to run ahead of you. I don't want to be behind you. Lord, I, I certainly don't want to build my life on shifting sands. I want to build my life on the rock that is your word, that is your truth, that is your love. God, I pray for men and women that are in this room right now, listening to my voice. Help us to see you. Help us to stop complicating it. Whether we're in the storm or we're in, we're in the middle of not being in the storm, wherever we find ourselves. Lord, in all that we do, help us to stay with you. In Jesus' name, with every eye closed, every head bowed, can I ask you a personal question? And the question this morning is, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Because you can. The Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. It's a simple prayer, and it's a profound truth. God has the ability and the desire to forgive us of our sins, every single one of them. And only God can do it. No church can, no organization or priest or pastor. No one can do that. Only God forgives sin. And the Bible says if we will put our faith in him, trust him, repent of our sins, and in a moment, you say, what do I have to do? Call on the name of Jesus. Believe in your heart and live it out with your life. You'll be saved. And I'd like to pray for you. If you're in here this morning with every eye closed, you're like, today is a day I'd like to put my faith and trust in Jesus and begin building my house on the rock of God. I'd be honored to pray with you. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, would you put your hand up and put it right back down when I count to three? And that way I know who I'm praying for. And every eye is closed. I'm doing that because it's personal between you and Jesus. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. And if today is the day that you put your, your faith in God, build your house on the rock, I would be honored pray with you. One, two, three. Thank you. Just put your hand up, put it down. I got you. Thank you. Thank you. I see it. Anyone else? Put it up. Put it right back down. I see it. Thank you. I see it. Amen. God, here we are. You see us. You know us. You've been there all along. Lord, in this moment right now, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. Thank you for loving us. We choose now to put our faith and trust in you from this day forward going to follow you. And although we may not understand everything about you because you're God and we're not, we trust your goodness. We thank you for loving us even when we didn't love you. We repent of our sins and we rejoice at your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to meet you. Some of our care pastors would love to meet you.